Welcome to uh, Grace Church of Philly once again. Uh, as you can see, we are a multilingual church, a multilingual gospel-centered city church. Uh, every Sunday uh, when we are gathering, we function in three languages. We have translation devices available so that whether you speak English, French, or Spanish, you can participate, you can hear the word of God. We're also used to singing a whole lot more than we are singing right now, and I must say how much I miss that. Uh, normally, when I'm coming up to preach, I'm catching my breath because I have sung so loudly and uh, so joyfully, and I look forward to that time when we can do that again, and perhaps next week we will uh, add a couple of uh, songs to our uh, service next week. Now that we have a streaming license, we can... Uh, use much more a variety of songs. We're back in the book of Hebrews again this morning, Hebrews 13, and uh, I will conclude my series on Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I can't think of anything that I would rather preach on than Jesus Christ being the immutable, sovereign Savior and Lord. I'm uh, interested primarily this morning in verses 15 and 16 of Hebrews chapter 13. I'm going to read again verse 8. You probably know it by memory by now. And then I will read verses 15 and 16. Uh, Hebrews 13 verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Verse 15, through him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. And do not neglect to do good and to share what you have. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. I remind you that these are the final words of the writer of Hebrews to a people whom he has been persuading that Jesus Christ is better than anything else, better than anything they might gain in life, better than anything that they have lost in life. And we know that these believers had lost much. Their faith was being tested. They were living in a world that was becoming increasingly unfriendly to Christianity, and yet they need to be reminded that regardless of the changes in life, and life is full of changes, changes sometimes for the better, sometimes, if not more often, for the worse, but in spite of all of that, he wants God's people to know that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. We know that we live in a world of uncertainty. We are certain of uncertainty. And we can face that uncertainty with fear or with brash self-confidence 
or perhaps we may try to escape the reality of it through drugs or alcohol or entertainment, but the reality is uncertainty is certain in a fallen world. However, the writer reminds us that in this uncertain world, that we may be like a ship that is sailing on unpredictable, stormy waters, the writer reminds us that we must keep the safe harbor in view. We can either be debilitated by the fear of the storm. We can face the storm in our own strength. We can find a safe place in the ship to sleep through the storm. Or we can do what the writer of Hebrews calls us to do. Look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, because he is the same yesterday and today and forever. Yes, our world is changing. Some say it'll never be the same world again. But even if that is the case, certainly politics change and economics change and our physical health changes and our neighborhoods in the city are always changing. Yes, this is a world of unpredictable change. But Hebrews is reminding us, Jesus is the same. You can depend on that. He is always the faithful, immutable, sovereign Lord and Savior. Yesterday and today and forever. The world may be volatile. The world may be hostile. The world may be intimidating. It is a changing world, but we have an unchanging Savior. Hebrews 13 has about 21 exhortations, final exhortations. In light of who Jesus Christ is, we should respond with obedience. We should respond by understanding how does God want me to live in a changing world in light of the fact that I have Jesus Christ as my Savior. How do I respond to this Christ who is the same yesterday today and forever. Last week we saw two things. We saw that because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, we can and should be nourished in him all the time. We have this union with Christ by faith through the spirit that unites us to the life of the living Christ who never changes. And we should be enjoying that union and being nourished by that union day after day, though the world changes around us. Our union with Christ does not change and so we should be nourished by internal grace. Not by more discipline, not by more asceticism, not by more self-denial or more rules or more legalism. The spiritual food that nourishes our soul is grace. And this grace is found in Christ. And we are in union with Christ by faith 
through the Spirit of God. Be nourished in Him if you believe that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Then let your heart be strengthened by the grace that He brings. And then last week we also saw that if Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, He's the same wonderful Savior who died the death that we deserve and rose again, who went outside the camp, who suffered outside the camp, then the writer of Hebrews says, let us go outside the camp. Let's go out to him and let's bear the reproach that he bore, that reproach of the gospel, that reproach of bearing the sin of the world and bearing the wrath of God, that reproach, that that gospel uh, initiated reproach. Go out, he says, and willingly suffer that reproach because, he says, you know, you have a continuing city. You have a city that is coming. And if you had, would read through the book of Hebrews, you would find that he talks about this city in multiple ways. Sometimes he, he speaks of it as heaven. Sometimes he speaks of it as an etern- eternal inheritance. In chapter 4, he talks about it as a place of final rest. In chapter 12, he calls it a an unshakable kingdom. In chapter 11, he called it a great country to which we are headed. And Hebrews is calling us to forsake our dependence on the safety of our earthly cities, our earthly places, and to go outside the gate, to be like Abraham, to be a pilgrim and suffer with Jesus outside the camp. But this morning, I want to look at the last two exhortations that are given to us. If we believe that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, then the writer calls us to praise God through him. And then he will call us to do good and share generous, generously with others because of our deep conviction about Jesus Christ. Praise God through him. Look again at verse 15 with me. Through him then... Let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that acknowledges his name. If we believe that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, then we should become a people whose lips, whose hearts are filled with praise to God. I love the way that he describes this, uh, the, the, the origin of this praise. He describes it in Old Testament terms. He calls it the, the fruit of lips. If fruit is something that grows naturally when the tree is healthy. And praise is something that comes naturally when the heart is healthy. 
fruit on the lips is the natural occurring growth from a healthy gospel-centered heart. If my heart is being strengthened by grace, if I'm focused on Jesus, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, then the fruit of my lips becomes praise to God. The author actually lifts this term out of Isaiah chapter 57. And in Isaiah 57, God is addressing his backslidden people. And he is promising them that in their repentance, when they return to him, he will forgive them and he will restore the fruit of their lips. He will bring praise back to their mouth. No longer complaint, no longer despair, but he will restore the fruit of their lips. This is the pattern of the Old Testament, that forgiveness and the understanding and experience and appreciation of forgiveness precedes thanksgiving and praise. A thank offering, a praise offering to God could only be made in the Old Testament after an offering for forgiveness was completed. The worshiper must be made clean. His heart must be made pure. He must be forgiven by the grace of God. And once that has happened, once you've come to Jesus Christ and he has forgiven you and, and made your heart clean, he restored to your lips praise where you acknowledge the grace of God and the goodness of God and you want to exalt the name of God. The wording of our verse indicates that this praise is to be ongoing. It is something we do continually. Our life is to be filled with praise. It's not just one hour on Sunday morning or one moment when I've experienced something good in life. But praise is to be continually. Why? Because every moment of our life we rest in and we enjoy God's forgiveness. Every moment of our life we are in union with Jesus Christ. His life is ours. His victory is ours. And our life should be filled with praise. Amen. Yes, we live in a changing, unpredictable world that threatens to steal from us the kind of life that we've come to enjoy and depend upon. What we might have thought of, as I said last week, the normal life. But there's one thing that never changes, one thing that can never be taken away, and that one thing is an eternal source of joy and praise. We have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. I am forgiven. And because I am forgiven, God restores to my lips. The fruit of my lips is praise unto God. Praise comes 
from lips that are rooted in a gospel-nourished heart that's constantly being strengthened by grace as we look in faith to the finished and perfect work of Jesus Christ. I can imagine hearing the writer of this letter responding to some of the objections that people might have had as they received this call to praise God continually. They might say, but I'm suffering. And the writer would say, but you're forgiven. Praise him. But my life is hard. But you're forgiven. Praise him. But I've lost my earthly possessions, and many of them did as they were driven by their home, from their homes in persecution. But he would say, you're still in Christ. You're still forgiven. Praise him. But I've been driven from friends and family. The power of the Roman government is against me. My heart is heavy. My heart is broken. I'm even facing the threat of death. And the writer would say, but Jesus is the same. Yesterday and today and forever. You're still forgiven. You were forgiven yesterday. You're forgiven today. You'll be forgiven tomorrow. You were in union with Christ, the good, sovereign, victorious Christ yesterday. You're in union with Christ today. And you will be in union with Christ tomorrow and forever. That will never change. So through him, let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledges his name. Again, when do we do this? Continually. The psalmist said seven times a day, will I praise you? Now, What he meant by that, I'm not sure. Perhaps he was just using it metaphorically as the perfection of praise. I will do that all the time. Or maybe he was saying, you know, before breakfast, I'll praise you. And at breakfast, I'll praise you. And between breakfast and lunch, I'll praise you. And at lunchtime, I'll praise you. And between lunch and dinner, I'll praise you. And at dinner time, I'll praise you. And after dinner, before I go to bed, seven times a day, I will praise you. We will sing a little bit later. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise you in the morning. Praise you in the evening. Praise you when I'm young and when I'm old. Praise you when I'm laughing. Praise you when I'm grieving. Praise you every season of my soul. Let everything that has breath Praise the Lord. When do we do this continually? To whom do we do this? To God, our Father, who so loved us that he gave his son for us 
to God our Father who promises that nothing shall ever separate us from his love? And how will we do this? How do we do this praise? He says, do it through him. Do it through that one who was rejected and suffered, who bore your sin, who rose again, who secured your salvation, who's interceding for you at this very moment, who's coming again. Do it through him. And let the content of your praise, the what of your praise, always be centered in the name of Jesus Christ. Praise that acknowledges and confesses that name that is above every name. That name in which there is salvation in no other, for there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Because Jesus is the same, let us praise him in every imaginable way. Let us praise him in every unpredictable circumstance in life. We know that the Psalms are basically about lament, about expressing our grief before God. And about praise. And normally a song of lament will ultimately come to praise because that's where God wants us living. He doesn't want us living in lament. He wants us living in praise. And so it's fitting that the psalm book ends on that high note of praise. Listen to Psalm 150. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with, with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath Praise the Lord. Perhaps only you and God know the reality of what you are struggling with in life at this time. But if you are a believer, you are in union with Christ who is the same yesterday, today, and for all eternity. He is the same. Praise God through him. Acknowledge his name. And then secondly, this morning in our text, he calls us not only to constant praise, but he calls us to do good and share in his name. Because Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not neglect to do good. And to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. We all know what trouble 
what overwhelming trouble does to us. It turns us inward. It turns us into isolation. We begin thinking about our own survival, our own happiness. And ultimately, many end up in depression. We're told that at the end of this pandemic, there will be another pandemic of mental disorder, depression and despair. And that will be only if you have not fixed your heart on Jesus Christ, who is the same yesterday and today and forever. Despair and depression come from self-absorption, not from a heart that is fixed on Jesus Christ. When I am self-absorbed, I'm either thinking too much of myself, I'm telling myself I deserve better, or I'm thinking bad thoughts about myself. I am no good. But it doesn't matter whether those thoughts of self-absorption are self-exalting or self-demeaning. Ultimately, they lead to despair because you never find peace. You never find joy by focusing on yourself. So the writer says, knowing that Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever, don't neglect to do good and to share what you have. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Many of us, if not most of us, do not have all that we want in life. But I would say that most of us, at least here in the U.S., have more than we need even in this time of pandemic. But if you are some of those who have less than you need, if you have Jesus, then you know that you have that treasure that is above all treasures, that pearl of great price. And despite your own struggle and your own poverty, what we know about Jesus, our union with Jesus, calls us to generosity. If our hearts are nourished by the gospel, if our hearts are being strengthened by grace, then we become like the churches in Macedonia of whom Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, one of my favorite texts. As he writes to the Corinthians and he's appealing to them to be generous in their giving to uh, the needy church in Jerusalem, he says this, he says, I want you to know brothers about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty, get the connection, they've got extreme poverty, but abundance of joy 
Out of their abundance of joy and extreme poverty, it has overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord. Now, how do you give beyond your means? Well, if you're living in 21st century world, you give on a credit card and hope to pay it later. If you're living in a first century world, you give beyond your means by impoverishing yourself, by taking what you really need to live and giving it to others. And he said, this is what the Macedonian churches did. Some gave according to their means, but others gave out of their extreme poverty and they more deeply impoverished themselves. But they did this out of the abundance of joy that they had. And as you've heard me say before, as I understand Philippians 4.19, it's relating to this very instance. But my God will supply all your need. What need? Need because you've bought a bigger TV than you really need. Uh, need because you're living a lifestyle that you can't afford. Or need because you gave sacrificially. You took from what you needed to give to others and now you have need. And Paul says, but my God will supply your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. The gospel calls us to keep doing good for others. It calls us to generosity. Tim Keller in summarizing some of Jonathan Edwards' teaching on ministering to the needy uh, and, 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 and to the poor and, and, and being generous to others uh, said this about Edwards. He said, Jonathan Edwards repeatedly shows us how an understanding of what he calls the rules of the gospel, that is the pattern and the logic of the gospel, inevitably move us to love and help those who are in need. While Edwards believes that the command to give to the needy is an implication of the teaching that all human beings are made in the image of God, he believes that the most important motivation for giving to the needy is the gospel. Giving to the needy, especially reasonable is especially reasonable considering our circumstances under such a dispensation of grace that is given us in the gospel. Why do good? Why share with others? Because you know the grace of God, the unchanging grace of God that you have in Jesus Christ. If our good, good deeds toward others and our generosity toward others are dependent on our circumstances, then we would not be very generous in a time of pandemic. 
But the Word of God teaches that our generosity is rooted in God's generosity to us, His unchanging generosity. And later Paul will say in that same chapter, 2 Corinthians 8, as he's appealing to the Corinthians to give generously like the Macedonian churches had, he says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know this, for though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor that you through his poverty might be rich. And the Macedonian church has looked at that model of grace and they said, this is what Jesus did. He, was, he impoverished himself to make me rich. And we will impoverish ourselves in order to help our brothers and sisters in need. That's generosity. When we understand the self-denying, sacrificial love of Jesus Christ displayed on the cross, it brings us to give it all. As, the, as Isaac Watts wrote so clearly, when I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and poor contempt on all my pride. Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast except in the death of Christ my God. All the vain things that charm me most, I sacrifice them to his blood. Were the whole realm of nature mine, that were a present far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. The writer of Hebrews wants us to see something in this unchanging, immutable, sacrificial love of Jesus Christ that moves us not only to praise but to do good and to share generously with others. Again, if I can leave you with one thought. It is verse 8. Regardless of what is happening in our lives today, Jesus Christ is the same. Yesterday and today and forever. And because that's true, let's be nourished in him. Let's identify and suffer with him. Let us praise his name continually. And let us do good and be generous in the name of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together, shall we? And if you're listening or watching this morning and do not know this wonderful Savior, this unique immutable, unchanging, loving, sacrificial Savior,
then why not right now, right where you are, say, Father, I repent of my sin and I surrender to Jesus Christ as my Lord. And if you're already a believer, then why not right where you sit, say, God, give me the discipline of heart and soul and mind to focus more on Christ than myself and the world that I'm living in. By your grace, Father, give us eyes to see Jesus Christ in all of his beauty and his glory that our hearts might be strengthened by grace, that our lips might be filled with praise, that our good deeds would overflow and our generosity would touch the lives of many. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.